Welcome to worship. I'm Pastor Jason from Schweitzer United Methodist Church. We are so glad that you're tuning in today to worship along with us. We're in a series where we've been looking at Jesus from the book of Colossians. Today we're going to be looking at Colossians 3, 1 to 17, where we see how Jesus brings us a new life. We're so excited that we get to be a part of this series. If you're worshiping with us for the first time, we are so glad that you're here. We'd invite you to fill out the little button that pops up. It'll take you to a place where you can let us know that you're here. And we would love to send you a Starbucks gift card. Next up, Stephanie Hassey, who's a member of our worship team, is going to share with us some ways that we can grow deeper and grow with others here through the Ministries of Schweitzer. Let's take a listen to Stephanie. Hi, I'm Stephanie, and here's what's going on this week at Schweitzer. If you've been joining us for a while now, either virtually or in person, and are interested in more details about the church, we'd love to have you join us for our all-in event. On October 20th at 6 p.m., this virtual event will allow you to meet the pastors, ask questions, and learn more about Schweitzer's history and what it means to be a member. You can sign up at sumc.co slash all in. Hey parents, we know how crazy times are right now between online learning and kids activities all being different. We wanna be a resource here at Schweitzer to help you navigate through that. Every month we have a themed kit with activities and connecting Bible stories that you can download or pick up here in person. And we're so excited to introduce Online Kids Church. Every Wednesday at noon, you can watch or download this service and enjoy it with your kids. There'll be a kid-themed message, music, skits, and lots of fun for all kids to experience. You can find out more details at sumc.co kids. Coming up on October 24th, you don't wanna miss a great event we're gonna have here on the Schweitzer campus. If you're local to us, bring your chair and come enjoy this outdoor event where we're gonna watch a movie about the Springfield Street Choir and learn more about their mission. Also at this event, we'll be collecting coats, blankets, sleeping bags to share with local agencies who open warming shelters during the winter. This is a great way for us to reach out with our generosity. Learn more at sumc.co slash songs. Thanks, Stephanie, for sharing with us how we can be connected in ministry here at Schweitzer. Today, it's our joy to welcome Kristen Strong in the, in the membership in this place where you have contributed so much through the work and the expression of artistry. And we have two questions that we like to ask people as they come into membership. One, do you love Jesus? Yes. And do you want to serve Jesus in this place, follow after Jesus in this place with your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? I do. And then we have a question that we always like to ask the congregation. If you would support Kristen with your prayers, your love, and your encouragement, you can respond by hitting the moments button that, that pops up. That would be great. We are so grateful that you are joining us and taking this step along with us. As we continue in worship, we'd like to invite you to take a moment and you can connect with us in the live chat window. You can use the, the prayer button and somebody would be happy to pray with you. And now we are gonna go into another song of worship. Our eyes to a hope beyond 
ocean waves with an expectation to declare the reign of the Lord our God. We will not be moved when the earth gives way for the reason one is overcome. If for every fear there's an empty grave. For the reason one is overcome Now the silence breaks In the name of Jesus As the heavens cry, let the earth respond All creation shouts With a voice of triumph To declare the reign of the Lord our God Thanks, KJ, for leading us in that song of worship. As we move into a time of prayer, we've been using prayers that have come from the book, Jesus is Greater, Field Guide to Colossians. And these prayers are coming from a number of different sources. Today, the prayer comes from Bobby Gross, who has composed a prayer called The Reconciling Community. And it really picks up on the themes that are within the, Paul's letters to the church at Colossians in chapters three, one to 17. We pray these words together and along with Bobby Gross. 
so that we may be an embracing and reconciling community. Lord Christ, let your peace rule in our hearts. Let your word dwell in us richly and let your name govern all that we say or do. Sometimes it's good to pray a prayer more than once. And this very short prayer speaks to so much of what's happening in our current world, the places where we live right now. Let's pray this again so that we may be an embracing and reconciling community. Lord Christ, let your peace rule in our hearts. Let your word dwell in us richly. Let your name govern all that we say or do. Amen. I invite you in the next few moments to think about all that you've been saying and doing, all that you will, and all that's in front of you. And take a moment and lift that to the Lord in prayer. Lord, thanks for hearing our prayers and thanks for teaching us how to pray as together with one voice, we lift up the prayer Jesus taught us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Throughout the pages of Scripture, we see that when people take a gift and they offer it up to the Lord, the Lord does great things with it. Today, David Freeman, our Director of Adult Discipleship, has got some stories about how your generosity has been impacting the lives of people around us. Let's take a listen. This is David Freeman. I was so excited to be your Adult Discipleship Director. This year, we've had 805 people participate in life groups, small bands, mentorships, and classes. Just during the Colossians study alone, Jesus is Greater, we had 14 new life groups start, which represents about 140 people. Thank you, Schweitzer, for being so resilient and so giving, even during challenging times that we grew our discipleship and our community by 20% of people going deeper with the Lord and with each other. Thanks, David, for the stories of transformation. You and I can give by visiting the website, sumc.co slash give. Thanks for being generous with what the Lord has placed in your hands. Now we continue in worship with a song from Noteworthy.
This year we've been in a series of telling stories, 52 stories we've called it, about God's transformation working in the lives of all kinds of people. Today we get to hear another story, that of Brandon Prohaska. Let's listen to Brandon. We've been coming to Schweitzer for about five years now and um, kind of just inched my way into getting involved in different things. Um, I think we started doing some greeting and then uh, took the plunge and did Jobs for Life. Um, I've done that maybe three sessions now, hoping for a fourth soon. Um, and then that also expanded to do um, life groups and uh, also helping with uh, slides and audio. Um, so it's, it's just been kind of a, a little bit of a growing thing. So basically, as long as I've been alive, um, God and the church has kind of been part of my life. My dad is very strongly religious, and um, we went to a, a Christian grade school, Christian high school, um, so all the way through college and uh, even into my adulthood. But it was, it was always just kind of, that's what you need to do, that's what you're supposed to do. Um, didn't really think too much of it. It was a lot of just kind of going through the motions. You show up, you you know, you put your money in the envelope and, and you go home and that's it. When I moved to Springfield, that was about eight years ago now, um, there was a <clears throat> church that I went to that was the same, same faith that I'd always been growing up. And about three years in, um, I started dating my now wife and she, um, went to a different church. Early on, we kind of recognized that was going to be a little bit of tension between us of, you know, are we going to go to my church? Are we going to go to her church? And, and she came to mine for a couple services, and I went to hers a couple of times. And um, we, we really wrestled for it with, for a while and then uh, kind of figured out, uh, I think it was actually her idea of, well, why don't we just not pick either of those churches and let's go someplace entirely new. Um, and her recommendation was 
Schweitzer, kind of knowing um, what they taught, what they believed, and um, the rest was kind of history. We, you know, we got married here. Um, we, uh, like I said, started volunteering and, and doing different things, and <clears throat> she kind of just helped me get out of my shell and grow in my faith and just learn things about God and have a relationship with Him that I never really had before. Um, kind of all the things that church was, you know, I had here as well, but then going so much farther beyond that of just, um, I think it was when I started Jobs for Life, I kind of got a taste for the joy you can get of helping other people. And that was something that just kind of stuck with me of, you know, there's more to life than just caring about yourself. And that just kind of opened my eyes. And ever since then, it's kind of been a journey towards finding out like what my purpose is in helping others um, and kind of even our, the next step in our journey with that is um, looking to become foster parents um, so we're in that process right now and hopefully you know within a month's time or so we'll have some some kids in our house my name is Brandon Prohaska and this is just the beginning of my story Friends, welcome today. My name is Spencer and I'm the pastor here. It is so good to, to join together and worship with you. Hey, I want to say thank you to Brandon uh, for sharing his story today on 52 Stories. I have so loved hearing these different ways that God is at work in the people of our church uh, in all kinds of different ways. That's what's so great about these 52 stories is we've seen so many different ways that God is at work in people's lives. So thank you, Brandon, for sharing your story today. Um, this is going to be part six today of our series called Jesus is Greater. We're going to be reading from Colossians chapter three. And uh, as we go through the series, we're seeing, it's eight week series, we're seeing eight different ways that Jesus is greater. Because that's the whole theme of Colossians, that Jesus is greater. He's greater than anything and everything. And so we're looking at these different ways and reminding ourselves and being encouraged about how Jesus is greater. Because sometimes we want to chase after other things, put other things first place in our lives. But we need to remember that Jesus is always greater. Now, now, this week and last week really go hand in hand. So hopefully you were with us last Sunday as we went through uh, this, this passage from last week. Remember, just going line by line through Colossians. And so, of course, these things are going to go hand in hand because it's just one long thought that Paul, who's writing this letter, has. So, so these two sermons really go hand in hand as we're talking um, this week and last week about uh, the rules. There, there is this like misconception uh, sometimes about the message of Jesus that, that the message of Jesus, the, the Christian message is mostly about rules, that, that this is about becoming like, maybe you've heard people talk about a good Christian and uh, good Christians do certain things. They don't do other things. And so sometimes Christians become preoccupied with, with the rules and we begin to, to judge or gauge our relationship with God based on rules, based on, on how we've done it. Of course, we have a word for this. We talked about it last Last week, and that word is, is legalism, that we begin to think about our relationship with God, where we stand with God, God's blessings, His favor, His goodness to us based on what we've done or haven't done. And sometimes it's good things like, like spiritual disciplines. We start to think to ourselves about how many times we've read the Bible or haven't read the Bible that week, and that's an indication of where we're at with God. Or, or we think about uh, maybe bad things like, like sin in our life, what websites we've been to, or how we've talked about people, or lost our tempers, those kinds of things. And we start to turn our relationship with God into this like sort of checklist of what, I, what have I done, what have I haven't done, and, and certainly this is then how I relate to God, that's how God sees me. But as we talked about last week, our relationship with God is solely based on grace, 
from beginning to end, it's about grace. God is always offering us the, the gift of relationship with him, the gift of his son that he's given to us. And so we only relate to God on grace, not based on the checklist of what have we done or haven't done. It's, it's solely based on grace, no matter if you're just starting out or you've been at this for your whole life. It's always, always, always from beginning to end a work of God's grace in our life. Now, if you were with us last week, you, you might have been a little frustrated with me as well because you might have walked away from last week's message and be like, well, if it's not rules, because that's what we really talked about, how rules don't have the power to change our life, but God's grace does. So you might have been thinking like, well, if it's not rules, then what is it? Like we, we kind of tore down the idea that rules are, are what we should base our, our Christian life on. And so if it's not that, then, then what? And so this week, we're going to build up a, a, this, this idea, like tore down last week, we're going to build up a new idea this week. And this is where I wish we could have done these together, but I don't want to preach for an hour. So we're going to divide these into two. And this week, we're really going to wrestle with this question of, of the rules. Because when you read through the Bible, there's a lot of rules. And so how do Christians relate to these rules? How do we think about them? And if we're not going to use the rules as a checklist of, of how we um, gauge where we stand with God, well, what do we do? with the rules. And so we're going to pick this up right where we left off. Colossians chapter 3, the very next verse from last week is verse 1. Here's how it goes. It says, this is Paul. He says, since then you have been raised with Christ. And I just, I want you to hear that again. Since then you have been raised with Christ. And now I also want you to notice what it doesn't say here. It doesn't say, since then you will be raised with Christ or someday you'll be raised with Christ or when you die and go to heaven, you'll be raised with Christ. It says, since then you have been raised with Christ. This is something that has already happened. We're talking, of course, about the resurrection, the empty tomb, Easter, that Jesus is alive and that he shares his resurrection with us. This is not just something for when we die and go to heaven. This is about life that happens now that the resurrection life of Jesus, it happens to us now. A few weeks ago, we read that verse in Colossians 2, verse 13. I love this verse. God made you alive with Christ. This is what he's already done. This is what he's already accomplished. This is what's already true of you. So if you belong to Jesus, here's what's true for you. You have already been raised with Christ. The resurrection power of Jesus is in your life. You, you have already been changed and, and, and the process of change and transformation. It's at work inside of you because Jesus is alive and the tomb is empty. So Colossians 3 verse 1, since then you have been raised with Christ. And here's what you're going to do about that. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now we're going to get more specific about what it looks like to, to set your minds and your hearts on things above. So verse five, <clears throat> put to death, therefore, the therefore is referencing the fact that you've been raised with Christ. So put to death, because you've been raised with Christ, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual morality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Notice that it's a list of five things that we have here, five things from the old life. Verse six, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now because you've been raised with Christ, you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Here's another list, anger, rage, malice, 
slander, and filthy language from your list. Notice there's a second list of five. Five things from the old life. Verse 9, do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator because you've been raised with Christ. That's why it's been being renewed. And then verse 11, this is so important. Paul writes, here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Paul's like all of the lines that you and I create to divide from one another. He's like, when you're in Christ, those lines are gone. They don't, they don't matter anymore. And, and so if you think about a first century Greek city like Colossae, who's receiving this letter, Colossians, I mean, in a Greek city in the first century, the, the Jewish population would have separated from the Gentile population, the, the Jews from the Greeks. The Greeks would have looked down on the barbarians. They would have separated from them. Barbarians were those who don't speak Greek. Um, everyone would have looked down on the Scythians. And, and, and so what some people think is going on here with this list that Paul gives us in verse 11 is that he's describing who is in the Colossian church, which I think is a really cool idea, a really compelling idea that, that this is what the, that first uh, church in, in, in Colossae looks like. It looked like all kinds of people with all kinds of backgrounds finding this unity together in this incredible diversity of who they are, but they all are unified in Christ because they've all experienced the same thing, that they've been raised with Him. The resurrection is a gift for everybody, not just some people, it's everybody. He's going to keep going here. Verse 12, he says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And, and notice once more, it's a list of five things. That's three lists of five. That's interesting. Three lists of five. This time it's a virtue list. Verse 13, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So we just read 17 verses there, Colossians 3, 1 through 17. And in those 17 verses, I went back really quickly, and this might not be a totally accurate count, but I did it pretty quick, but I, I counted 29 different rules that we have here. 29 different rules. 29 different uh, do these things, don't do these things. 29 different uh, live this way, not that way. 29 different rules that we have in Colossians 3, uh, 1 through 17. And, and it's tempting to read um, this passage or other places like it in the Bible that have a lot of rules. It's tempting to read this as, well, well here's the list of rules for, uh, for, for good Christians to follow. Like, like, these are the 29 things that good Christians should do and, and what good Christians shouldn't do. And, and so it's easy to begin to, to read this as a list of, well, here's what I'm supposed to to do. And, and if I do these things, then, then, you know, this is going to be pleasing to God. This is what God's going to want me to do. This is what God's going to accept me if I do these things, which, which of course, this is the way of legalism. 
that if I do these kinds of things, this is how God blesses me, this is how God works in my life, this is how I receive God's favor, that's all based on, 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 on these kinds of things. And of course, we've talked about last, last week this, this whole idea of grace, that God is at work in our life simply because of a gift you know, that, he's, that, he's, that he's given to us. But it's, it's tempting to read these things as if, as if this is what good Christians do uh, and this is what good Christians like don't do. And of course, this is a compelling list as well. I mean, if you if you uh, live these kinds of things, even in a legalistic way, you're going to be better off because, you know, compassion and mercy and, and forgiveness is always better than rage and anger and malice and living for others is always better than living for yourself. But but as we read through this, this kind of list or, or other places like it in the Bible, I, I'm struck by a question of like, well, if rules aren't, what this is about, and and rules aren't what I should gauge my relationship with God on, then then what is my relationship with these rules? Like as a follower of Jesus, what is my relationship to these rules? And how do I how do I think about how I should approach these in my life if if um, I'm not basing my relationship with God on these rules? And so to wrestle with that question, because there's all kinds of rules in the Bible, I thought it'd be helpful if we looked at maybe some of the most famous rules in the Bible. Because as you look at some of the most famous rules in the Bible, I think there's a, there's a way that they're written that begins to answer this question of like, well, how do people of God relate to the rules? And so let's look at the most famous rules in the Bible. And they're in the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 20. We call these the Ten Commandments. I find the Ten Commandments to be absolutely fascinating. I love the Ten Commandments. I know a lot of people see the Ten Commandments as being kind of boring because it's just a list of things you're supposed to do and not do, but I think they're really interesting because there's so much at work in the Ten Commandments. For instance, I know that a lot of you, if I were to ask you to like tell me the Ten Commandments, you probably could because you learned them in Sunday school when you were a kid. And maybe you can't like quote them verse by verse, but you could you could like list them for me and you could you could tell me what the, the different Ten Commandments are. So if I were to ask you like, you know, what's the first commandment, for instance? Some of you would because you learned the Ten Commandments in, in Sunday school as a kid, you might be able to tell me, Exodus 20, verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me, right? The first the first of the Ten Commandments. But did you know that that question I just asked you, what is the first of the Ten Commandments, is actually one of the most hotly debated questions about the whole Bible? It, it is so, and, it, and it's been debated for like 2,500 years. People have been debating how you count the Ten Commandments for as long as we've had the Ten Commandments, for as long, as long as we've had, like we've been always debating these Ten Commandments and how, and how you do it. So the Ten Commandments are, are 17 verses, but people have grouped them differently or counted them differently for, for a long, long time. As they look at these Ten Commandments, same words, same verses, but, but we, we've counted them differently. And one of the reasons we've counted them differently is because when I just asked you, what is the first of the Ten Commandments? Likely, you would have said, you shall have no other gods before me. It's Exodus 20, verse 3. But that's not actually the start of the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments don't start in verse 3 of Exodus 20. They start in verse 1 of Exodus 20. And here's verse 1 of the Ten Commandments. It says, and God spoke all these words. Verse 2, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Verse 3 you shall have no other gods before me. And then comes the commandment about no graven images and, and not misusing the name of the Lord and keeping the Sabbath holy and those kinds of things. And, and, and the list goes on and on and on. But the, the first words of the Ten Commandments are, are not even a commandment. It's a, it's a word about what God has already accomplished for his people. In fact, in the rabbinic tradition, 
the rabbis don't call the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, they don't call them the Ten Commandments at all. They call them the Ten Words. Because the first thing God says is not a commandment, but is this word about what He has already accomplished for His people. I am the Lord your God who has already brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And I find that to be so interesting because if I was writing the Ten Commandments, this is not how I would do it. I I would not write them in this order whatsoever. I would never start with this this word about what I've already done for for the people. I I think about my kids, for instance. I I think about my kids. I've got three three girls, uh, kindergarten, third grade, fifth grade all elementary age. And um, my family, we, we are big lake people. We love the lake. We're at the lake quite a bit, Table Rock Lake. And, and one of our favorite things to do at the lake is that there's this certain marina that has this awesome ice cream. And I don't mean like prepackaged ice cream and ice cream sandwiches kind of thing. I mean like, like scoops and waffle cones and, and those kinds of things. Like it's incredible. You got samples, like you're going to Baskin Robbins. It's so fun and so fun to like boat over to this place and sit on the dock and get ice cream together. My kids, like they ask to do it every time we're at the lake. And and uh, what I've learned is that I can leverage that ice cream to pretty much get them to do anything I need them to do. It's, it's incredible. And so they asked to get ice cream. We're like, yeah, we can get ice cream. No problem. We can get ice cream. But here's what you've got to do for that. Uh, clean your room. Make your bed. Don't argue. Don't fight. Don't complain. These are the things you're going to have to do. And if you do these things today, good news, we're going to go get ice cream. And if you don't do these things, if you don't obey, if you fight with each other, if you argue, if you complain, if, if, you, if you don't pick up after yourself, you don't, you don't do the things we need you to do, then, then there's not going to be any ice cream. It's all conditional on what have you done for us. What have you done? If you do good, we're going to go get that ice cream. If you don't, no ice cream, no ice cream in our future. And, and so when I think about the Ten Commandments, I, I can't help but think about that dynamic because that is not at all what God does. Like God doesn't, end the Ten Commandments with this promise of the reward. He starts the Ten Commandments with this promise. Like he starts with the ice cream. He gives the ice cream before they've done anything to deserve it. Like this is how it starts. Verse two, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Like I've already done this. I've already accomplished this. You've already been brought up out of the land of slavery. This has already happened. And and now this is how you're going to live because of that. Like this is already taking place. He doesn't end the Ten Commandments with, if you do these 10 things, hey, I'm the Lord your God. I'll bring you up out of the land of slavery. No, he starts with it. He starts with it. And I find that to be so fascinating. I, I have this this friend, his name is Chris. He's like the, the deepest thinker I, I know. He's a He's always asking me these questions and he's making these comments that I have to like stop and think about because I've never thought about things like that before. We only people in our life like, like that. And so one, one day we were, we were coming home from quail hunting in northern Missouri. We we're driving back in the truck and, and we're talking about the Ten Commandments because, you know, I don't know what you talk about with your friends, but we're talking about the Ten Commandments of all things. And, and I was telling him, I was thinking about doing this, this sermon series on the Ten Commandments because they're interesting. And, and he, he posed this question. He said, do you think the Ten Commandments are supposed to be uh, prescriptive or descriptive? And what he meant was this. He's like, you know, prescriptive means that if you do these kinds of things, then this is the reward that happens to you. Um, a, a doctor will prescribe you medicine so that you uh, have a certain result that takes place in your health. Um, my kids with ice cream, it's like, it's a prescriptive thing. If, if, if they are good, then, then this is the result that will happen is that they will, they will go get ice cream. And, and I, I have a feeling that when most of us think about the, the, rules of the Bible, we think about it like that. Like it's a prescriptive thing. If you do these things, then this is what's going to happen to you. But he's like, what, what if they were meant to be descriptive? That's what Chris is like. What if they were meant to be descriptive? 
Not so much as a, as a promise of a reward, but rather as a description of, of people who have already been rescued. A description of, of people who have already experienced God's goodness. A, a description of people whose lives have, have already been changed. And we're driving down the I-35 talking about this, and I had to think about something like, wow, it's, I've never thought about the Ten Commandments. Not as a prescriptive thing, but rather as a descriptive thing. It's describing what a changed life looks like. And of course, as I think about the big picture, about how God works in our lives, I see that this is certainly the model that God does. I mean, think about the gospel message that God gave his only son for you and for me and for absolutely everybody. he's, He's crucified and he's resurrected before we deserve it. We, we haven't done anything for it. We haven't earned it. We haven't deserved it. We haven't, we haven't proven ourselves in any way whatsoever. He just gives his son for us. Romans chapter five, verse eight says it very famously. It says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Like this is the proof of God's love that he's given himself for us before we've done anything to deserve this. Uh, Bible scholar Sandra Richter, she, she comments on the, on the Ten Commandments and this dynamic of the rules being descriptive or prescriptive. And, and she, she, writes, uh, she writes about this. She writes this. I find this to be helpful. I want to read this to you. She writes, um, we do not obey in order to win his grace. We obey because we have received his grace. Even so, it seems that in every generation, God's people manage to enslave themselves to some form of legalism that demands obedience before grace. Something about the fallen human heart compels us to make ourselves good enough for God before we feel free to embrace his offer and love for us. But the truth is that God has already rescued us. The the truth is that God has already given us his grace. The truth is that God has already provided for us and already blessed us And in no way whatsoever do we have to prove ourselves to him. So I think about Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. 29 different rules, 29 different things that you're supposed to do or not supposed to do. And it's tempting to read this as a checklist. You do these kinds of things, God's going to be happy with you. You're going to be good with God. You can gauge your life with him based on what have you done or haven't done easy way to to read Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 through 17 but I want to ask you this how did Colossians 3 start what was the first line that we read what was that promise that began all of the rules that we just read it was this since then you have been raised with Christ since then this has already happened Since then, you've already received the gift that God wants to give you. Since then, God has already been at work in your life. He's already given you all of his grace and everything that you need in order to grow. Since since this is true, here's how you live. Colossians 3 is is not so much a list of if you you do these kinds of things. It's not a prescriptive list. If you do these kinds of things, God's going to bless you. Colossians 3 is this descriptive list of here is what it looks like to be raised with Christ. This is what a life looks like who's experienced his resurrection. This is what a life looks like who, who's experienced the goodness of God as this free gift of grace. This is what it looks like as they live within compassion and mercy and forgiveness because this is what they've received. This is what this changed life looks like. They don't want to live in this old life anymore because the old life is not satisfying. They want to find this new life that's in Christ and what they've already received. And so you could be tempted to read Colossians 3 as this 
list of 29 things that you're supposed to do in order to be a good Christian. Or you could read it as here's what the changed, resurrected life looks like. The gift that God has already given to you. And you see, the problem with living in the old life, the problem with living into these things like anger and rage and sexual morality, these things are listed as the old life, these things were called to to put to death. The problem with that is that when we choose to live in that old way, we're not living into who we really are. Because who we are are people who've been raised with Christ. This is our identity that we have. That we are beloved children of God who have been redeemed and rescued and made whole in Him. Like This is the gift that He's given us and this is what is true for us. You see, Jesus is greater not because He's given us this long list of rules to obey in order to be good people. He's greater because He's given you this gift of life. This gift of new life. And this gift of full life that begins now. That you can begin to live into who you are supposed to be because he is at work in your life. He's at work in what you and who you're becoming and and he's at work in, in who you will become. He is at work in your life, giving you the grace to change. You see, this is how our lives change. When we encounter the power of God, we receive this in our life, not because we've been gotten good at rules, but because he is at work in us. Jesus is greater because he brings us the new life. Let's pray together. And so, Father, today I thank you um, for the promises that we have in the scripture, that we are raised with you, that you make us alive in Christ, that this is what you have done, this is your gift of love given for us. And while we may be tempted sometimes to turn a relationship with you into a list of checkboxes of we do these things, not these other things, and this is how good Christians do or not do, we want to return to this gift that you give us, this gift of a relationship, this gift of hope, this gift of change. Forgive us for the ways that we maybe make this into rules and obligations and and things that are just about what we do, when really this is all about what you have already done for us. And may we live into who we already are as those who have been forgiven and raised with you. And if anyone's with us today who who hasn't experienced this promise of new life, may today be a time for them to cross that line of faith, to say simply a, a simple prayer, Lord, would you forgive me my sin? Would you lead my life? Would you fill me with your goodness that I can live for you? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
mercy What heart could fathom such boundless grace The God of ages stepped down from glory To wear my sin and bear my shame The cross has spoken, I am forgiven The King of kings calls me been so good to share this time with you today, this, this message of uh, what God has already done in our lives. 
Hey, I want to say thank you to the people who make this happen. This is not a one-man show in any way. So I want to say thank you to Jason, to Stephanie, to Noteworthy, to Brandon, for KJ for leading us today, sharing stories and leading us in worship today. I'm so thankful that we get to do this as a team together, church. Um, if this has been helpful for you, that we can share this message with others, I, I encourage you to do this, challenge you to do this. Who could you share this with today? And you can do this real simple. You can click the invite button if you're watching this live and you'll get a link that you can send this to folks. You'll see this later on Facebook or other social media. I encourage you there to share this. Um, help us spread the word about what God is doing um, in our church and what God wants to do in people's lives. This is an easy way to share the good news message of what Jesus is able to do to raise us with him that we can live new lives. Hey, have a great week. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday.